DealQuest viewers and listeners, I am so excited to have Michelle Villalobos on an upcoming episode of DealQuest. I've gotten to know Michelle personally. I love her work. I've done her work. I'm excited for you to hear about it. Michelle, what are folks going to hear about on your episode of DealQuest? We talked about a lot of really good stuff, and uh, I would invite them to join us to hear about how to make better deals, how to approach deals with more equanimity, how to help people to get the best outcomes from the deal so that these deals last a long time. We talked about ways to stabilize revenue, create monthly recurring revenues. We talked about big back ends in business and uh, gosh, what so many, so many things. Relationships, relationships. relationships how to build relationships of value over time without being manipulative or pushy or persuade without having to persuade. Um, you know, I, I'd listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Folks, definitely check it out. This is, uh, was a great episode. Uh, check out Michelle Villalobos on an upcoming episode of DealQuest. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. I am so excited to have Michelle Villalobos with us. She is the founder of Superstar Activator. It's the host of Awaken Your Inner Superstar podcast, creator of Superstar Business Breakthrough Program, Make Them Beg Personal Branding System, and Retreats the Riches online course, among others. Our mission is to activate influencers, leaders, and superstars to grow their businesses and, the, uh, and increase their impact in sustainable, energy-rich, energy-rich ways. Um, she's been an accomplished speaker. I'm not going to go through the whole list of her accomplishments. It's huge. The full bio will be in the show notes. Uh, I will personally attest, I've, I've had the uh, pleasure of doing uh, some of Michelle's work and, uh, and I am, so I am a, I am a client, I am a fan, uh, and I am so thrilled to have Michelle on the DealQuest podcast. Welcome. Hi, thank you. I appreciate that so much, Corey. So before we get into all the great stuff you're doing now and how it applies to deals and I want to take you back. And when you were growing up as a little girl, what did you want to be? Because my guess is this top-notch speaker and facilitator, whatever, might not have been it. But you can tell me. Maybe I'm wrong. No, and not even. I didn't even know you could do that for a living. That was a um, dream come true, really. I mean, what didn't I want to be at some point, right? I remember I still have this book that they made us do in, I don't know, second grade, let's say, where it was like what I want to be when I grow up. And I literally divided the page into four. (laughs) And I know one of them was astronaut. Another one was teacher. There was a picture of a bird. So I don't know what that was all about. And I don't (laughs) actually remember the fourth, but from early on, I was like, no, I didn't want to commit to any one thing, but Uh um, I mean, I wanted to be a star. I wanted to be a superstar. You know, I, I dreamt about, you know, 
being in, I loved being in, in plays and shows and acting and singing and dancing and dressing up. I used to do this um, talent show in my cousin's basement where I would, you know, I created the, the invitations to the talent show and I'd organize the numbers and I'd invite the kids and I'd set up, like I did all of it. And the parents would sit there and watch our talent show, you know, every year. Um, so I, I think I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do as a kid. I love it. I feel, I feel, yeah, it's just in another form, but it yeah. seems pretty consistent. I love it. Okay. And one more question, looking back, what was your first deal of any type? It could be when you were a kid, older, whatever, whatever comes to mind. I, um, in college, I, I guess this was my first deal that comes to mind business. At least I used to teach hip hop dance classes okay. to the sororities and fraternities. So they would pay me 50 bucks and I would go into their living rooms and move out the furniture and I'd teach a dance class there to all their members. I love it. I love it. I, I love, you know, early, early entrepreneurial stories and see, you know, where people came from. So, uh, you know, listen, we gave uh, some of the accolades in your bio, but tell people just more specifically in terms of what you do now, who you work with, you know, what is the essence of uh, the impact that you make and the kind of clients you work with? Okay. Well, I, I work with people like me, you know, people who are, uh, thought leaders, influencers, speakers, authors, what I call superstars. I work with superstars, help them find new ways to monetize their magic. And when I say monetize their magic, I mean that instead of monetizing their time or their effort. So finding energy rich ways to create new revenue streams that don't require, you know, slogging through doing more work, sacrificing lifestyle, that sort of thing. And then one thing that all my clients have in common, and this is what a superstar is, is they're bringing light to the world. They're bringing, they're uplifting, they're adding value, they're contributing, they're making the world a better place in some significant way. I love that. And listen, I've, I've gotten to know a number of the folks in Michelle's community and they are just, yeah, I mean, superstars is right. Great people to be around and, uh, you know, and, and Michelle's definitely been a big part of that. So that's, so that's great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, cause obviously a lot of your work is around helping people create, um, you know, this impact and, and ascension models to be able to build up in the various offerings that they make, which has been, you know, my experience with you, uh, that's been great. And we want to hear more about that, but there are some fundamental concepts that you teach that also apply in a deal context because they apply really to any kind of relationship. So let's talk about those first. So essentially, the way that I look at deals, the way I look at relationships, the way I look at business in general is, can we create something that where I win, you win, the people around us win, the people in our communities win, the people in the world win, and even to take it to the highest level, like there's a spiritual win. There's a win beyond the wins, which yeah. is, you know, adding energy in a, to the, to the, to the field, uplifting humanity in some way. And that's really what I'm looking at now in, in my old world. Cause I, there was a decided decisive shift in my life in 2014. I had a, I did things back then, you know, I did the MBA, I got the straight A's, I made a lot of money, I worked in the corporate space, like, I, I did a lot of things because I thought I had to, and I should do them. And I had a big breakdown, I finally couldn't keep up with the pace or um, all of that. And, and I had a, you know, big breakdown that led to an awakening, really, and an awakening of like, why am I on this planet? Is it to work? Is it to make money? Is it to like, 
why am I doing working so hard to do these things? And I, and I had lost track of completely of my joy of my, mm-hmm. of my true self, you know, my highest self. So in that whole process, I came to know a whole new way of looking at business, a whole new way of approaching it. One that really from the inside out, like focusing on me as a human, developing myself personally, meditating, yoga, you know, opening my heart, like all these things that people do not associate with business. And I didn't either. And from that place, creating new agreements, new relationships, new deals, new programs, new offerings. And the difference is night and day. My business, my life feels completely different than it did seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times the stuff that I do around deals and negotiating, right. People have these perceptions that the way you, you know, successfully negotiate and the way you get deals done is all around, you know, leverage and advantage and, you know, and, you know, games and, you know, and, one of the reasons I think one of the reasons I think you and I have so hit it off from the minute we met is because our philosophies are so aligned, right? And not only do I believe that you don't need to do that, but it's actually less effective, right? Counterproductive yeah. in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. You might make a deal because you persuaded, pushed, manipulated, cajoled, like you got your way. And how's that deal working out for you five years later? Right. No. Right. Yeah. And that's why I love the fact that you've been doing a lot of this work around relationship, because one of the things that I often say is that in business, right. And it's true in most things, but certainly in business, which is where, you know, I, I, I play professionally. Um, I always say that a negotiation or a deal is usually either the start of a new relationship or the continuation of an existing relationship, right. Whether that's with a business partner a vendor, a client, uh, a key strategic partner, whatever it is, right? You know, there's very few situations in business where you're doing something and then you're never going to deal with the person again. And right. frankly, even in those cases, you know, you get a reputation, right? And those are rare. Um, so because it so ties into relationship, what are some of the key things on how you teach people to have those positive business relationships and to grow those relationships for the benefit of their business and also in alignment, right? With yes. you know, who they are. Well, you just said number one is like really being in in true alignment with yourself first, right? Coming into the coming into a negotiation, I would imagine the 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 the, the traditional sense. You know, people come in and they come to the table. They're like, "This is what I want. Let's see what you want, and let's work this thing out." It, you know, it, it, and one thing that I remember my dad or somebody like that once saying is like. A good deal is when both people walk away dissatisfied, you know, or something like that. (laughs) Like I'm totally talking about the opposite. Like you come to the table, a complete person, really like from a place of sovereignty and like, I don't need this. Um, I don't have to have this. Like, even if it's, even if it's really true that you think you need it, right. Getting to a place of detached neutrality and like trusting in your own, like, you know, that coming to the table that way, as opposed to from the position of being down here, like I must have this, this person has all the power. I've got none of the power. That's like completely not a great place to enter. And also not coming in like the person that, you know, I'm, I'm going to win this. I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to get what I want. And, you know, like really coming in from a place of detached neutrality, equanimity, trust, and faith. And from that place saying, 
like, if like, this is what I say to people when I'm going to make a deal. I'm like, if you could have it all your way, what would it look like? I want to know exactly what would make this a home run for you. And then I'm going to tell you what that would look like for me. And we'll see if, if there's a deal to be made here. I love it. You know, it's so funny because anybody who has read my book or listened to this podcast uh, and thinks about the thing you just said, you just described. And the last thing you said was what I call clarity, right? Getting 100% clear on exactly what is my what works for me, what works for you. And then you talked about, you know, mine's CDE, right? The second one is detachment. You talked about that as well. And then you used the word equanimity. I used, you know, um, you know, I, I uh, my E, um, you know, is, you know, it's basically, basically the same concept, right? You know, you got to be clear, you got to be detached, and you're going to maintain your equilibrium, which is the got same. It. So, um, you know, so, so <laughs> it's, it's amazing how those principles just, you know, just, just really apply. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so learning how, so, that so much is universal, actually, yeah. you know, the yeah. same themes keep coming back again and again and again. It's like, it's simpler than we make it, you know? No, it is. And listen, some of them, I mean, I'm not, I don't think you need to be spiritual or religious, but, it, but just in terms of like how old some of this stuff is, if you go back to some very, uh, of all traditions, Ancient. fundamental spiritual, you know, texts, historical texts, whatever, you know, uh, whether it's, or even the, you know, humanistic or ontological, it doesn't have to be spiritual. All of these great thinkers, these fundamental yes. concepts have been around for way before we were here. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. So talk about some ways that these principles have, you know, that people, your clients have applied these principles in their businesses and what, you know, the, the shifts that have happened for them. Oh man. I mean, first of all, coming from a place of wholeness to start is like, you bring so much more to the table than from a place of like lack. Right. So, you know, the, the deals people are making are more fulfilling. They're more joyful. They're more powerful. They last longer. I, I mean, I'll speak for myself too. And my clients I've seen when I started my business, I didn't keep clients very long. And and I knew that that wasn't good, but it, rather than addressing that root issue, I would just, you know, create new things and make right. it about that, you know, right. and, and, right. and, and now I have awareness that that was my own limitations in building trust with people, trusting people, being trustable with people, um, because I wasn't whole and complete in myself. I didn't feel that way. I felt like I entered a lot of relationships and it's interesting that all those relationships, my, all those business relationships from early on, most of them have fallen away Mm -hmm. like clients and, and also employees. It it sort of had to almost like come crashing down because a lot of those relationships came from what I call stage two energies. And, And when I talk about the stages, I'm referring to a book called the 12 stages of healing by a man named Donald Epstein. And Donald Epstein, the, the, the 12 stages, the first stage is suffering. And that's, you know, he says, basically, we go through all these stages, suffering. And then the second stage is polarity. Polarity is, we'll recognize this one, is good, bad, right, wrong, left, right, this, that, right? The, the polarity is like division, separation. And I was, what was, so polarity is like, for example, if you enroll somebody in a program or make a deal from that stage two polarity, then chances are someone's the hero, someone's the victim, someone's the villain, right? This victim, hero, villain, drama triangle is what it's called. So I would enroll people like from the place of like, I'm the hero, you're the victim, you need me to save you. 
I can help you. I will fix you. Enroll in my program. And what that would create was, was this dependency, these clients that were not empowered. They were not doing the work. I was pissed off. So then I'd turn into the villain instead of the hero. Right. So what I've learned is like in, in coming into deals, making sure that I and the other person are both in what Donald calls a stage four or above, which is I have power. I'm, I, I take my power back, right? Or higher, right? There's several stages above that, but from a place of empowerment rather than from a place of lack or weakness. Meanwhile, almost every business school, almost every marketing program is going to teach you to enroll people from stage two energy. Mm-hmm. Point out all the problems and the pain points and make it hurt and yeah. and like then show them how you're going to save them, how you're going to fix it. Well, yeah. I don't do that anymore. I, I learned the hard way that those are not great clients for me. And I'm going to guess that it's not a great partnership making a deal with somebody from that energy that's expecting you to fix everything for them. Yeah, and it's, and it's really interesting because unfortunately, um, that kind of approach quote unquote works yep. if you want to drive initial interest because, you know, I mean, and listen, some of the growth folks have talked about this, you know, that most human beings are motivated by avoiding pain more than getting pleasure. That's the biggest motivator. So, you know, if you want to manipulate that and, and you have a good marketer, quote unquote, you're going to create a funnel that creates a lot of leads. But the question is, you know, one, who do you want to work with? Two, where do you want to come from? And three, you know, what kind of relationships and success do you want to have in the long term? Are you just looking to sell some online programmers or one off to a bunch of people that it's not going to help most of them? Or right. are you looking to really make a difference? Right. And the thing is, you can you can find someone that's in stage two. And the question is, can you help them get to a place of empowerment? Right. Right. When they make that deal, when they make that purchase. Right. Is there because there is a distinction and someone can and we do it and, and you, you we've talked about it like you know there are questions you can ask like how important is this to you are you committed how committed are you are you willing to do the work how much work are you willing to do how much is too much you know when would you stop so there are questions that you can ask people to get them like you know and then when when it comes to when they drop down into that stage 2 you can say remember Remember you said, remember that version of you that was so committed, that was so empowered and helping them. That means that part of them is still there and you can access it. You know, and I think there's there's a difference between being, I mean, listen, obviously as somebody who is so great at what you do and is a, you know, and helps guide people and facilitate people and whatever, um, you know, you have experience that some folks, you know, may not have had. So um, but I think the difference is because, you know, that, that could become that hero complex, right? Easily. But the other place that it comes from, really the place for you that I've seen it come from, and I'm committed to this as well, is sometimes, like I talk about these times in my life, I, I will not forget them or the people who saw me bigger than I could see myself in the moment, right? Oh, yeah. That's the big difference. It's not about me. It's, yes, I mean, just because, and a lot of times it's just easier. In fact, you know, I see stuff in other people I can't see myself, right? Um, So, you know, the ability to have somebody who stands for your greatness beyond where you can see it, that's, that's magic. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's so, that's so true. And someone, and that what that involves, at least from a practical kind of standpoint is like, holding a standard and letting people meet us there rather than dropping the standard for the person, you know? And that doesn't mean we don't have empathy. It doesn't mean we don't care or listen, but it's like, 
I know you can do this, right? Meet me here, right? Yeah. And listen, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, you see it with, you know, with, with, with kids who are, go to bad schools and, you know, yeah. and, and whether teachers or the parents or the culture or whatever have low expectations of them. Yes. And, and then maybe they get into a situation where there's a new principal or a teacher or a coach or somebody who believes in yes. them. And, you know, their whole thing changes and they're, you know, they're the same person. They have the same capabilities. It's just a matter of how, how they were held and therefore how they were able to see themselves. Stand and deliver. Do you remember that movie? Yes, Edward James Olmos. I loved that movie. And I think that's, that was the whole thing. He came in and he raised that standard and those kids met him there. Yeah. And it's a true story. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. hundred percent. I love that. Wow. All right. So do you have, obviously without, you know, revealing any confidences or names or whatever, do you have an example or two or somebody, you know, you can, you know, you can talk about a situation where people sort of came in in one place and what they were able to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I don't think she would mind me sharing. I won't say her name though, but at the last retreat, well, and uh, let me preframe this or preface this by saying one thing that allows a person to to take their power back and to rise very quickly. I've discovered recently, especially in the last few years is when there's an area of pain or discomfort meeting it head on Mm. and like going into it because, because, and that sounds very simple, but it's not because most of us are taught, at least most of us are taught that you want to avoid discomfort and we want to escape that. So, you know, we'll eat something, drink something, buy something, somehow avoid or distract from feelings of, of, of discomfort. Now, one of the things that we do in our events, and you've been there, is we, we tell people right up front, like, there's going to be discomfort here, and we're going to meet it. We're not going to avoid it. We're going to go there. So at a retreat recently, we had a woman who was really uncomfortable. She was meeting up all of her limitations, all of her, she was total stage two. And she was like, so upset. And I was like, all right, let's hear it. Let's hear all the ways that you've disappointed yourself, all the ways that other people have disappointed you. Let's go, let's hear it all. And she went off and like, and this, and this, and then this, and she's in tears, she's sobbing. And she just, she, all of it came out. And then finally it started to slow down and slow down. And I was like, so what's really true? She's like, I'm better than this. I'm bigger than this. I'm more than this. And she like worked herself up into this like really empowered state. She actually got up on on top of the table at the retreat, (laughs) declared like enough of this. I take my power back. I deserve better than this. And from then on that weekend, everything was new. Everything was fresh. Everything was available to her. And it was because she felt the feelings that she'd been avoiding and trying to not feel. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, people have heard me say mindset is everything, you know, um, you know, we just, um, I think, I think the episode that aired one or two before this one's going to air or, um, was a little compilation we did of a best of, uh, some of the podcasts on a mindset of a deal maker. Like, because one of the things I often ask people is like, what do you, you know, what do you think? Like, what makes somebody a deal maker? What makes you a deal maker? What makes you right? And it's just, a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mentality. It's one of the reasons I have this podcast is, is that um, I see so many people who are trying to grow through organically, right, through sales and marketing. And, by, and you need to do that. You need to be able yeah. to get a customer, a client, whatever. That's absolutely crucial. 
Um, but they but they don't also look at the, the the potential to go through deals. And a lot of times in the beginning, it really has to be that mindset shift. They don't see themselves as a deal maker, or they, yeah. or they have a perception of a deal maker in a certain way, like you know that it's right. Wheeling, you, know, you can't do it with integrity. That's sleazy, whatever, right? But there are so many people that do deals with integrity with alignment. Um, so you know, it's it's amazing how that mentality shift, how that mindset shift is crucial. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I know any any time that I've moved from a certain place I've been in, a certain plateau, you know, a certain level, or being stuck, or even if I didn't feel stuck, but I was sort of here and 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 moved, and you know, in, in a way that was beyond incremental, like made that next jump. It always involved a mindset shift. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was thinking, what makes me a deal maker? Because you, you said that you asked me that. And I was like, hmm, I, I think for me, one of the best things is, is what is a combination of what you said earlier. Like I see people, I see the potential, I see the bigness. Yeah. Um, and number two, I listen deeply. Mm. I'm a deep listener. And I think that's so critical. And it's an art, maybe even a like a semi-lost art among many people, especially superstars. We spend a lot of time talking, expressing, and not a lot of times receiving, a lot of time receiving. So I think that that's really critical. Even though you didn't ask me that question, I, I asked myself. No, I love that you I love that you did that. And it's, you know, and, and listeners, I want you to, you know, viewers and listeners, I want you to think about it because think about those two things that Michelle just said. I mean, how attractive is it? to clients, to potential deal partners, business partners, you know, whatever it is, key industry players, strategic alliances. When you, if you are somebody that sees the greatness in others, right? Somebody who can hold people bigger than they can see themselves, that's attractive. And, you know, if you are a great listener and, you know, you listen really intently because that's something that people usually don't get, right? (laughs) They crave because, yeah, most of us are thinking about the next thing to say. Um, So, you know, those, I mean, that, those two things really attract people to you. And it's, I, I think it's a big reason why you're so successful, whether that's in deal partners or in clients or in, you know, key, key folks or whoever that is in your life. Thank you. And that's, I would say that that's one of the things that I didn't do so well early on when things, when I was struggling yeah. more, I was not seeing the greatness in others. I was seeing how others could serve me mm-hmm. and and that's different. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. Yeah. So talk, talk to us about, I mean, we, we rattled some of them off. Uh, talk to us about, you know, uh, your, your programs, the ones you're focusing on now. And let's, let's let people get a better feel for exactly what, um, you know, what yeah. you have to offer. I mean, the primary program, our, my foundational signature program is the one that you went through, uh, the, the retreat, the business breakthrough uh, program, which is, is more than just a retreat, but, and the, the crowning glory of that program is a three-day immersion experience, which we do now virtually, and we do it live and we alternate. And that program, I do it four times a year. And that's really like, I can pretty much guarantee 
that if I enroll somebody into that person, if they're a right fit, they're going to walk away having had a big, big breakthrough in how they generate revenues for their business, what kind of programs they're offering, you know, something that has legs that has long-term monthly recurring revenue potential. That's the goal for people to walk away with that. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's interesting folks, if you think back, there's been a couple of episodes we had, uh, Joel Block on, I don't have it in front of me on which episode it was, his, it was his return appearance. Cause he was like guest number three or four or five. Oh, or I love Joel. And then, and then Joel, yeah. Then Joel came back on recently. And one of the trends that he talked about in his trend report is this trend towards subscription and other yeah. uh, ways of recurring revenue, right? Recovering revenue is the, is the gold holy standard. Grail, I call it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and it, you know, and listen, it's the Holy grail because it creates a more sustainable um, just lifestyle and, you know, and, and reliability in your business ongoingly, but it also uh, makes your company worth a lot more money. Recurring revenue is as higher multiples valuations if you ever exit your business because it's reliable income other than, you know, very different than transactional income. And that's across industry. So, you know, learning how to do that, right? You know, it's interesting. Some people think that because I have a deal podcast, I'm just going to have a bunch of people who sold companies or investment bankers on. There's a reason why I have a broader variety of folks, because if you went to, if you go to one of Michelle's uh, programs, if you go to this program, trust me, and, you know, and you build a recurring revenue model, right? You're setting it not only, you know, is that great ongoingly, but you're setting yourself up for a later deal if you want to exit your business at significantly higher value than you would otherwise. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. And especially one of the things that we do is we help people create monthly recurring revenue by creating some sort of culture. So a community that is really more than just a community, a collection of of individuals, but people who have shared values, shared standards, shared language, shared vision. So how do you build a collective, a culture that is doing monthly recurring, that's way stickier than just, you know, typical like Netflix type of model where people are buying a commodity or a product. Right. So you're talking about the combination of recurring revenue, but also at a higher ticket, right? At a higher ticket. Right. right. Because that's one of the things you teach as well is that, you know, you're, you're, you know, I would say folks, if you are looking to build a model where you're doing a, you know, huge volume of low end products, then Michelle's not your person. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, but if you're looking to, and, and what's interesting to me, Michelle, and maybe you'll talk about sort of how you combine these things, because what I find with most folks out there is that the recur- some folks who teach recurring revenue, it is at that lower level, right? It's that, you know, 197 online, pro- you know, product or whatever. And, that, and that's, and, and that's not the start of an ascension, right? It's just what it is. And, or they are teaching high ticket, but they're teaching high ticket and that's much more customized and one off and there's not right. recurring revenue with it. Right. So what, talk about a little bit how you combine, you know, like what, what had you come to combine those two things that you could have recurring revenue at a higher level? It's the culture piece. It's like bringing together high level humans who can benefit from sharing best practices with each other, who can benefit from you know, really incubating each other or being in an, you know, and so I'm the leader of it. And over the last seven, eight years, it's taken on a life of its own where I'm still leading it. I'm still setting the culture and I don't have to do all the things anymore. A lot of it is happening on its own. 
And, and so it's creating some sort of culture that you can lead and serve, but you're not in it provide being the, the source of all the magic all the time. So in, my, in one, like my case, it's kind of a mastermind group coaching model, but it could be a lot of different things. We have people that are doing, you know, agency work like that on the back end and, but bringing together the culture piece by bringing the, you know, the individuals together to brainstorm, to mastermind on a regular basis. That's the glue that keeps them together. And then what happens is those people can become ambassadors of the thing or even certified in the thing and take it forward even from there. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's the power, you know, for me, this also, speaks to a mindset shift or at least the mindset you need to have, you know, sometimes it's a shift because you didn't have it earlier where that, you know, for those of us who are speakers, who are facilitators, et cetera, it's so easy for us to default to we're the ones who know and we're the ones who have to deliver all the content and it's all on our shoulders. Uh, and, you know, whether that's just because we don't trust people or because it's our ego or whatever it is. And there's so much with, if you have the right people in the room, like you put together, there's so much wisdom in that room, right? Magic every single time, every single time. And I, I have to remind myself to get out of the way yeah. and to allow the magic and to not take on the burden of having all the answers. Like, cause people will project that on me and be like, Michelle, what do you think? And I'm like, wait a second. We have this, all this genius here. Here's what I think. And let's hear what so-and-so thinks, you know? And, and so really cultivating, and that's where we go back to the beginning. Like, who are you enrolling? When you're in an old paradigm of like sell, 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 anybody you possibly can convince, persuade, manipulate, whatever, you're going to end up with not a lot of magic in the room. And if people are enrolling at a stage two where you're the hero, they're all going to want a piece of you all the time. And so it's really, it takes leadership that I didn't have when I started this to learn how to, how to, how to have that discipline to bring in the right people, to curate those humans, to create the kind of container that does tap into the magic, the collective magic that, you know, teaching myself to get out of the way. You know, I remember the first time I got one of my clients to help me lead a retreat at the end. He's like, why did you bother? Like you didn't use me. You did it all yourself anyway. I flew all the way here. You know, he he was loving about it, but he was truthful. And I was like, I did that. I did that. You know, I didn't let him shine. And so it's, it's, you know, there's just so many layers to it and it's a beautiful journey. Yeah. Yeah. So folks, these, um, these retreats, it's interesting. Cause I was, uh, um, I was scheduled to go in March of 2020 to Miami, which, which is, most often where Michelle does her live ones. Um, and uh, of course, COVID hit and uh, uh, Michelle pivoted and went virtual very quickly uh, and uh, invited us all to be along for the ride and just to help co-create it with her. Uh, and, uh, and it was amazing. And, and um, I, I actually remember, and it's interesting because Michelle and I spoke a little bit before we came on air here and I got an update uh, I remember it was the, it was literally this, the, the first, the second day morning. So it was after the first day of, uh, of it. And, and uh, we talked about, you know, if you want to get feedback, like what's working, what's not working, whatever. And I remember one of the things I said, you know, was that in some ways the virtual was better, right? You know, it was, and, um, you know, and a lot of other people chimed in and said, yeah, you know, like I, I don't have to get on a plane. I could be, I could, you know, walk my dog on a break. I could see my husband, be with my kids, whatever it is. Uh, and there was a way that the chat was like going crazy with people, were, which you can't do when you're live. 
Um, and not that it's better than in person, but it was like, and I remember asking Michelle, do you think you're going to, this was, remember, this is March. This is like the start of COVID. We had no idea this thing was going to be a month or two or what it ended up to be. And, you know, it's, it's ended up having her evolve her model. We're now two of the four of our children, two out of the four alive, and they're both really special in their own way, right? But you, you know, it's yeah. been an interesting journey with that, right? Yeah, I was telling you at the beginning of the call before we started, like when I pivoted to virtual, I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to recapture the magic of live here. Like how, you know, I, I had no, not no faith. I had faith it would be good, but mm-hmm. I didn't have faith that it could be as good. And then I was joking with, with, you know, Corey, that I was chuckling to myself the night before the real retreat, the live retreat that we just did, our first one in a year and a half. I was thinking to myself, how are we going to ever make it as good as the virtual? (laughs) How are we going to recapture the magic of the virtual live? You know, so it's just amazing to me. They both have their, their, their special sauce, you know? Hey, listen, you know, folks, that's what great entrepreneurs do, right? They, they take a challenging time. They pivot, they figure out something new, and then they learn from it. And, and, you know, it's a great example of how Michelle's business model has evolved. And now, you know, people get to choose, right? Some people prefer yeah. to be live. Some people prefer to be virtual. It opens up maybe a, big, a bigger audience. It's, you know, you know I, I, I thought the virtual experience was amazing, and, and I'm going to do the live experience as well, uh, you know, in, in December. So, um, all right, let's talk a little bit about, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, let's talk a little bit about what else you have going on. I know you're a professional speaker and you've got, you know, so good round out in addition to your signature program, you know, what else, what else, uh, you know, uh, that you do? Because uh, there's a number of things. Well, so I look at business and my business is structured like the way I teach it front end, breakthrough, big back end. I just told you about the breakthrough. That's the retreat model. That's the one that you came into. The big back end is my influencer circle. Those are my, that's my culture. That's my longstanding clients. We just got back from Gatlinburg, Tennessee, 29 people in, a, in it, most of us staying in one house. And it was incredible. And then on the front end, you know, what used to be the back end of my business speaking has become the front end. That's become right. what drives the visibility that drives the relationship building. And so I still do, I'd still do speaking. I, I speak wherever I can. The difference is I used to never speak for free or rarely speak for free. And now I know that sometimes I speak for free because that puts me in front of the best audiences. Um, And I'm speaking at the, uh, not speaking, I'm on a panel at the National Speakers Association next week on the main stage, which I am beyond excited about. Yes. Love it. That's awesome. I've I've had Michelle come in and and speak to the New York chapter National Speakers Association. Of course, she rocked it. And, um, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, that's a conversation that I've had with a lot of my speaker friends that, and listen, they've learned, unfortunately, a lot of folks who the only thing they have is speaking on a stage, learned that it was a very vulnerable business model. And some of them pivoted well, some of them didn't, um, you know, and, and folks learned, I always felt blessed that I came to the speaking world with a underlying business already. Um, so like I had my back, I had one of my back ends before I even had my right. front end, so to speak. Brilliant. That's um, so the way to do blessed. it. That's <laughs> the way to do it. Yeah. Cause if that, you know, when I speak it at least drives law firm clients. So even if I'm not doing any of my negotiating workshops or any of the other stuff that I plan on doing around, you know, uh, that we're developing now around uh, deal masterminds and, and events and retreats, you know, I still have the back end of the law firm. And when I speak, I end up getting you know, law firm clients. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, you know, so, it's interesting the way you put it that what used to be your back end became your front end, which is, which is great. And it's obviously a much more successful and sustainable. 
Oh yeah. Uh, business model. My model, my, my business used to be roller coaster, right? Like it was at the mercy of how, how much energy I put into it that month, a month of calling people up and writing proposals, you know? And, and the truth is my energy wasn't stable and consistent. So my outcomes weren't stable. And even if they was, my outcomes wouldn't have been, you know, there's an ebb and flow to that type of model. So, so that now I put that on the front end. And as long as I have, you know, I don't even need that much to, to, to fill the model. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's a boutique model, high end, high ticket, high price point, high touch. Um, you know, you don't need that much business to make something like that work really, really well. Yeah. You just need a limited number of really great. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. It's a lot easier. I think to find 10 people to pay you a hundred thousand dollars than to find a hundred thousand people to pay you $10 in my opinion or something like that. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Totally. Totally. And yeah, that's why. Um, well, great. Listen, we can talk forever, but obviously we have one on podcast. So, um, so my second to last question for you is uh, people f- want to find out more about you and uh, everything we just talked about. Where should they go? I would say my website, if you already know you want to connect, then superstaractivator.com. And if you just are looking for more content and hear, you know, I have a YouTube channel that's very robust. Um, Pretty much every question that anyone's ever asked me, I've got some version of a video for it. So those are the two places that I would recommend. I have a podcast also called Awaken Your Inner Superstar. So those are all really cool places to connect. Awesome. So listen, Definitely uh, check Michelle out. All, all of those links will be in the show notes. If you're driving or whatever, don't worry about it. You can look it up. So Michelle, my final question on the podcast um, is freedom is my highest ideal in life. Uh, it is uh, it ranges from everything from freedom from everybody in the world, from oppression to uh, why I'm an entrepreneur and I don't work for anybody. Uh, what does freedom mean to you and how does it impact your life and business? Oh, mister, you, that, that's my highest value too. <laughs> and it's specifically, I would say freedom of expression mm. is, is, is really big for me. So freedom for me is sovereignty. It's the ability to choose for oneself, make decisions for oneself. Um, and it is, it is, you know, that is the reason that I am an entrepreneur as well. Um, you know, and I, and I, I'm, I'm an American citizen by way of my Cuban parents mm. who came to this country to escape, well, especially my dad, my mother, she's half American, but my dad really, you know, was a, was an exile from Cuba and, and his great uncle was shot by a firing squad for, for, you know, being an entrepreneur himself. Like there's a lot in my, in my past, in my legacy and my ancestry that, that, you know, I really hold that in very high esteem and I really value what this country stands for and the ideals of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. I'm a, I'm a big believer in all that. And knowing at the same time that the country has not always lived up to those ideals perfectly, just like I've not lived up to my ideals perfectly through my life. And so I, you know, I, I, I have a lot of hope for this country because I do believe that, that we've got the right heart and we, we, we mean well. And, and I think that, you know, things are getting better every day. Love it. Love it. Michelle Villalobos, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the DealQuest podcast. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. 
I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.